be thankful for a father in heaven who cares for his children. We should be thankful that he is God. For the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. This is God. This is God. He spoke and galaxies appeared. This is God who spoke in beasts of the field and birds of the air and fish of the sea came into existence, who could form man from the dust of the earth and with one rib could form an entire woman. He split the sea in two, causing them to stand like walls so the Israelites could walk through on dry land. This is God brought one city to its knees through the holler and scream of mortal beings, gave one man the ability and the strength to single-handedly slaughter a thousand men with nothing but a donkey's jawbone. This is a mighty God who cares for you. This is who we should be thankful to and thankful for. Amen. Well, I got a little uh, activity I want you to participate in before we get underway or as we get underway with our message. We are going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 this morning, but I want to I have you do something because sometimes I think it is important for us to be purposefully thankful. So I want you to, you don't have to hold your hand up, but I want you to think we're going to do five things that I want you to think to yourself. You don't have to say them out loud. Here's, here's something I want to choose to thank God for today. So I want you to pick a person in your life that you are thankful for and just think about their name. Thank God for them here just in the moment, okay? And uh, take, take a second. Hopefully it won't take you too long. That should be an easy one, all right? All right, number two, I want you to think about somebody here in the coastal family that you are particularly thankful for. Okay, and when I say think about them, I mean briefly say a word of prayer. Lord, I'm really grateful for this person. They do such and such, and I really am appreciative. Number three, I want you to thank God for some particular blessing he has bestowed on you this year. Okay, number four, I want you to thank God for a particular hardship you've been through and something that God has taught you in it. That might be a little more difficult, right? And then number five, I want you to thank God for something you know to be true about him, his character. All right, not an easy practice, right? I know, especially number four. But I think it's important for us to be thankful on purpose because it's easy. If somebody were to say, how was your week, other than the customary answer of, oh, it was fine, and you started to list, it would be easy to come up with the things that caught your attention that you wish had not been true this week, right? Well, I had a flat tire, well... This happened, that happened, an extra bill came up, property taxes came due, whatever it is, you know, and I had to pay for that, or, or whatever your thing is. It's not hard for us to come up with the things that we wish were different, but we are not always ready on the spur of the moment to think about the things and thank God for the things that we often take for granted. 
So to some degree today, I want to keep that focus in mind. We're in Ephesians chapter 5, and this is a passage of Scripture that as we get to the end of it, talks about Thanksgiving. And so I want to give you some practical handles on how to use Thanksgiving for that. But this is really a passage of Scripture that talks about people who are wise, how to be wise people. And I would suggest to you that wise people are thankful people. People who are wise, who walk in the wisdom of God, those are people who customarily and regularly practice having a thankful heart. Now, I know it, it gets, perhaps in your mind, it would be a little cumbersome to constantly say, oh, thanks God for that. I appreciate that. That's really kind of you. And, um, and it probably is a little unnecessary. Oh, thank you for that green light. I'm really in a hurry because Maybe you weren't walking wisdom when you left late. I don't know. But um, it, it's important for us to know that people who, according to the scriptures, are wise people tend to be more thankful. So I'm going to go. I've got just two points this morning from Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to begin by reading verses 15 through 18 and talking about walking in wisdom. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Walking in wisdom begins with being careful. Look carefully then how you walk. I don't know if, if you have ever done this, but do you ever drive around here on autopilot? Have you ever left somewhere and arrived at home and realized you weren't paying attention at all. You didn't, you didn't remember passing such and such a landmark that you always notice on the way home. You were just on autopilot. Now, that's like really dangerous in Hampton Roads, right? I mean, you, you get driving like that, and all of a sudden, something happens, and you, you realize, I was not paying attention right now. My mind was over here, or I was distracted by this, hopefully not on your phone, but... Uh, it's easy to just get on, I think it's easy to get on autopilot with life. We just start going through, right? We tend to wake up the same time pretty much every day. We have the, probably the same thing for breakfast or some variation of it, and then off we go to work, and then we do our jobs throughout the day, and then we head back home, and at some point we have dinner, and you know, we kind of build ourselves into this routine of life. And we can live on autopilot unless something intervenes. If something catches our attention, something happens at work that needs our attention, something happens at home or on the way home or something on the, in the news or whatever, and all of a sudden I'm thinking to myself, oh, okay, now I need to think about this. But it is not only dangerous to live life on autopilot, I think it's spiritually 
dangerous to live on autopilot. So how do we live spiritually on autopilot? I think we, we do that even if we have a good habit of getting up in the morning and reading our Bible and spending some time in prayer and a, and a good, healthy devotional life is super important to your spiritual well-being. And we can come to church on autopilot, right? We can show up every week and we're here and we do our thing and we sing and we listen and we go home and we can do all that stuff on autopilot. But it's dangerous when we allow ourselves the luxury of not paying close attention and being careful. Because as Hebrews chapter two says, therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Have you noticed the tendency is to drift? Have you noticed that the tendency to drift happens most when you are least busy? I've talked to a lot of people that way. When, I'm, when I've got a routine going on, I can be, I can be uh, uh, careful about what I'm doing. I can pay attention to what I'm doing. I get up, oh, I got to make sure I have my devotions. Or I have to be careful of this. Or I have to watch that. Or I'm paying attention to this. We have to watch where we're going. Be careful as we walk. Wise people do that. They're careful. They are also strategic. Wise people redeem the time. They make the best use of their time. Now, listen, get out your steel-toed shoes because I think all of us are probably in need of hearing this. We live in a culture where wasting time is practically embraced. And oh, I didn't bring my phone up here. A lot of it happens with that, right? Do you have a program on your phone? I do that tracks my screen time. Some of my screen time is very profitable. Some of my screen time is not profitable. It just popped up this morning and I thought to myself, wow. Because I spent way more time on things without profit than I did things with profit. I know, all work and no play makes something. I don't think most of us are in danger of that. Am I right? John Piper has said this, one of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook in the last day will be to prove that prayerlessness was not from a lack of time. Do we have time to pray? Listen, I have no hang up, particularly with social media used rightly. I think leisure is important. I think taking some time to rest is valuable. I think it's really useful for us to even just hang out, right? With our family or with our friends. But how often are you doing that? Let's spend some time together. So what do we do? We flip on a movie and we all pull our phones out and we sit in the same room together. That's not being together. That's just being local. We are to make the best use of our time. Sometimes the best use of our time includes some rest. 
Some people do need to learn that. Some people do need to learn because they don't know when to sit down. They don't know when to relax. They need, they need to learn how to rest because even God built that into our life, right? Others need to learn how to be productive, how to be useful with their time, how to make the best use of our time. We redeem the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Listen, I'm pretty sure at this point that everybody was disappointed with the last election, no matter how you voted, because your group didn't have as much of a majority as you hoped they would. Right? I know it's silent in here. He's not going to talk politics, is he? No. But I do know this. I don't talk to anybody, no matter what their political persuasion, that doesn't acknowledge the days we are living in are very difficult. They're evil days. We look around the world and we see trouble. Some of it we call natural disaster or, or whatever. Some of it we, we look and we see wars over here and Ukraine is in turmoil and all of these various things in places. And these are evil days we live in. Nobody denies that that I know of. For one thing, I think it helps us understand we can have a good day in the midst of evil days, but it reminds me that evil days should cause us to be a little more careful, a little more strategic about the use of our time. God has given us a specific amount of time on earth, and the older we get, the more we begin to think about I have a certain amount of time realistically left to invest in life. I should be careful. I am much more aware of that now than I was 40 years ago. I am much more aware as a pastor of the shortness of time now than I was when I first started in ministry. That's just a natural thing in life. The older we get, the more we realize, man, i got to be more strategic about how I invest my time. The challenge Paul gives here is we all ought to be that way. And I would suggest to you that one of the ways that we ought to invest our time is in being thankful people. We ought to make it an effort, make it a, a, a strategic decision. I'm going to be thankful to people. I'm not just going to sit in church when the pastor says, hey, so-and-so was really important to me. They've been really special. I thank you, God. I'm going to say to them, thank you, because I appreciate you and your ministry. I appreciate you and your investment in my life. The world is broken and desperately in need of Jesus. We just studied not too long ago the Lord's Prayer for a season, right? And we, we studied that section of it that says, Oh, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. At some point, that's going to happen. How are we strategically using our time to make sure that happens? And then... Verse 17, we are to be understanding. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
that's a whole sermon or so on its own, right? Understanding the will of God. It's, it comes from a word that says to bring something together, be understanding. You know, when you're, you're working on something and you finally start to figure it out, and wh what do we say? Oh, man, it's all coming together. That's what this is talking about. I need to understand what the will of the Lord is. That obviously implies that I've got to be working that out. I'm not sitting in a corner waiting for God to light up, you know, some LED sign somewhere and say, you should go do this. There are some things that are self-evident. The scriptures are plain. I'm to abstain from immorality. That's part of the will of God. The scriptures are clear that I am supposed to walk in holiness and I'm supposed to seek to reach those who are around me with the gospel. I'm supposed to make disciples. Some things are plainly spelled out in scriptures. Others not so clearly. So how do we get a start on that? You remember these verses from uh, Romans chapter 12, right? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world. That's the pattern of thinking that's around us. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. How do we renew our mind? We transform it by understanding the word of God. It's why we say it's important to be together in corporate worship, to hear the word of God preached and to sing and give and all the things that we do. It's why we say it's important to be in a small group so that you can interact with others about what's in the word of God. It's important to be, go to a spiritual formation class. It's important to have your devotional life. Those things are important because those are the things that help us understand what the will of God is. The more we understand who God is, the more we understand what God wants. So we need to walk in wisdom. And I would submit to you that if we're doing that, we will tend to be more thankful people. Secondly, the last few verses talk about walking in the Spirit. Verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Be controlled. Do not be drunk with wine. That's debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Walking in the Spirit, in addition to just walking in wisdom, walking in the Spirit will lead me to thanksgiving. I need to be controlled. It's controlling influence. Some of you remember occasions in your history when you have been drunken. My guess is, when you were drunk, you said some things and did some things that you would not otherwise do and say. 
Is that fair? Drunk people tend to do and say things they otherwise, under usual circumstances, might not. The same thing is true with spirit-filled people. We tend to talk in ways we might not otherwise. We tend to engage in behaviors we might not otherwise because we are controlled by the spirit. A person who is drunk is not in control of themselves. A person who is filled with the spirit is not in control of themselves. The spirit of God is controlling them and compelling them. There is a difference. I'm not going to have a, a lecture and discussion about the baptism of the Spirit and the filling of the Spirit, but simply put, if you are, you are baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, so when you trust in Jesus, you are baptized into the body of Christ. That happens once. You are filled with the Spirit, should be continually. That's an ongoing thing. That's why we are commanded, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. This isn't a question of how much of the Spirit you have. The Spirit of God resides in you. You don't get any more. You don't need any more. This is a question of how much of you He has. This is a question of surrender. We sang about it. I surrender to you. Walking in the Spirit is not like filling a cup up till it overflows. This is more about filling a sail with wind so it can propel a boat forward. Walking in the Spirit is being moved to where God wants us, namely greater likeness to Christ, greater effectiveness in service for Him. Walking in the Spirit lets the Spirit of God control me and propel me forward. I'm to be worshipful. You, th you know that verse 19 is one of the reasons that we sing together in church, right? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Listen, I know not everybody sings really well. I realize that for some of you, 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 you just feel uncomfortable singing because you're just not sure you're hitting the right notes. Listen, I suspect there are some who aren't hitting the right notes and they don't know that. I've met a few people like that too. That's why we have auditions to be on the worship team, right? We want to make sure you can sing and sing reasonably well and stand in front of people and lead them to worship. But listen, even if you can't sing well, I encourage you to sing out. Pastor Nate, our lead pastor at the Gloucester campus, makes a thing with our worship leaders. He says, don't close your eyes when you're leading worship. Look at people. He has even, before, when I was up in Gloucester pastoring there and he was our worship leader, he would tell people, I want you to look around at each other while you're singing. That's like super uncomfortable, right? Super awkward. Look at the next person next to you and sing at each other. It's not at each other. It's to each other, first of all. But singing to one another, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, there is something that is uniquely 
filling as it relates to the spirit, it strengthens our spiritual well-being to come together and sing together. We should be intentional about that. Be engaged in the worship when you're here. Don't just listen. Some have said, I've talked with people, I just don't get much out of the singing part. I would offer this suggestion. Maybe it isn't about what you're getting out of the singing part, but what you're putting into it when you sing to someone else. Addressing God, singing to God, addressing each other. Maybe what you are doing is beneficial for someone else. Maybe for that time, maybe for that morning, it isn't about what you're getting from the singing, but what you're putting into the singing so that someone else can be ministered to. I believe a spirit-filled church is a singing church. Singing has been part of the history of the people of God. All through the Old Testament, they sang, and in some cases, we'd have probably described it as carrying on. Tambourines and shouting and dancing. And it was really live and very energetic and very expressive. And part of that was their culture. I totally get that. But I cannot encourage you enough to engage yourself when we are singing to one another, right? We can't sing to one another in the car. Nobody looks funny at us when we sing in the car. I'll grant you that. But we sing addressing one another, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. We do that together as we address one another. A singing, a spirit-filled church is a singing church. And then all of that, to me, comes down to verse 20 then. We're addressing one another, singing in our hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. You, you know why we do that, right? You understand that it's not just a habit. It's not just how we pray. When we say, in Jesus' name, amen, when we get to the end of our prayer, we are acknowledging that we are doing that because of what Jesus has done. We're coming in the name, in the reputation, in the authority of Jesus to talk to God. That's why we close our prayer with, in the name of Jesus, we pray these things. I want you to think about gratitude and the gospel as we talk about being thankful because being filled with the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, is going to result in being thankful. Gratitude is uniquely connected to the gospel. Philippians, or rather Colossians, excuse me, chapter 2. Therefore, as you received Jesus, Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. When I pray with people who have walked with God for a long time, and I can, I can just tell they have a prayer life that's personal in addition to being in person with them, listening to them pray, it's interesting to me how often I hear them talking about their salvation and the fact that Jesus made it possible for them to go to heaven. There is something about going back and remembering that that just builds thanksgiving in my heart. 
There is a connection with the gospel and gratitude. The gospel is going to prompt gratitude. Gratitude ought to be an approach to worship. Psalm 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Do you come to church that way? Do you enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise? Listen, I know Sunday can be the worst, especially if you have young children, right? I get it. Some of you had to ask forgiveness from the Lord when you sat down in here for things you said to your kids on the way to church. There's something valuable about coming into church intentionally wanting to be thankful and have praise. It's why I I tell our worship team, listen, I want to start with something that's going to be celebrative when we sing. I want to I rejoice in the Lord. I want to thank God. I want to do something that celebrates who he is. It's what I want to do when I start a worship service. I'm not trying to get everybody all pumped up, but I am acknowledging that some people are coming in from a week that has been a bit stressful, and it hasn't been all that great a week, and they're not ready to reflect. In fact, they don't want to reflect on this week when they sit down here to worship. They want to, they want to hear from God. So I want to begin with, let's enter his courts with praise. Let's come into his gates with thanksgiving. It's really valuable that we consider that gratitude should be part of our approach to worship. But I also want you to think about the fact that I think gratitude can be proactive. I want to give you a few verses to think about. You could jot them down, but here are four things, and it might be worth spending some time looking at the scriptures to see how we can choose thankfulness instead of something else and see how that might change your perspective. Ephesians 5, verse 3, sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints, but the giving of thanks, it says, right? We should be thankful. Those things shouldn't be named. What should be done? We should be thankful. I would suggest thankfulness can be chosen Instead of impropriety, we can choose to be thankful. I think thankfulness can be chosen over and above anxiety. Philippians chapter 4. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I know that varying personalities deal a little differently with the issue of anxiety. I completely understand that. And I am not suggesting 
If you're anxious, just say, oh, thank you, Jesus, and it'll just all go away. There's more to it than that. But I do think we can choose thankfulness and that as a lifestyle, as a pattern of behavior. Not just coming to God and saying, oh, God, I need this gone. I don't, I don't want to have this anymore. Everything by prayer and supplication, if we stop there and it's all about, Lord, please take this away. Please help me get through this. Please don't let this be a problem to me anymore. And we don't continue on to thanksgiving. We're trying to get back to neutral. I think we can choose thanksgiving to help us navigate anxiety. I think we can choose thanksgiving instead of unbelief. Romans chapter 1, although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. I said last week, one of the fundamental problems of humanity is we are not thankful people. We tend toward ingratitude. I think we can choose thanksgiving as opposed to unbelief. People have that option. They did not honor him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile in their thinking. What would have happened had they honored God as God and given thanks to him? 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We can choose thankfulness instead of complaining. That's why I gave you that fourth one when we started this morning. Choose a, a situation that you've been involved in that, that God has taught you in that situation that you can be thankful for what you learned. Listen, nobody's thankful for a horrible diagnosis from the doctor. Nobody is thankful when there is a, some kind of tragedy that has to do with physical health. Nobody's immediate thought is, oh, I'm so grateful. But I'm talking about an attitude of gratefulness that rises above the immediate situation. I choose thankfulness because I want to be the person who, when... Those difficult situations come, I have begun a habit and a pattern of learning to be thankful. I choose to say I'm going to move toward thankfulness. So I have just two thoughts. I think they're already in your bulletin. But first question is this, what or who, more importantly, is the controlling influence in your life? Are you surrendering yourself routinely, regularly, daily, probably more than daily, to the control of the Holy Spirit over your life? Perhaps some of these things I just talked about, choosing thankfulness over anxiety or unbelief or whatever, maybe some of those things would be less of a struggle if I had first chosen to be filled with and surrendered to the Spirit of God in my life. And then, lastly, and we're headed to uh, about 10 or 11 days from now, we're going to sit around a table full of uh, provision from God, and we're going to celebrate thankfulness to God. Are you choosing thankfulness? I think we have that option. I can choose to think about what I don't have. I can choose to think about what I wish wasn't true, or I can 
choose to be thankful to God, I think ingratitude comes as a result of the fact that I am not paying attention to who God is and what he has done in my life that is worthy of my thanks. I have, I think, begun to function on autopilot. I'm just going through life. I'm not being careful. I'm not choosing carefully how to live. I'm not redeeming the time. Are you choosing thankfulness? I think it can be done, right? I think the scriptures are clear. We can choose thankfulness. So let's do that. Let's be thankful people. Let's begin by giving thanksgiving to God. Let's continue by thanking other people in our lives. Letting them know when we're grateful for something they've done or some character about them that we really appreciate, some trait, some evidence of their faithfulness to God. You know how encouraging that is, right? You, you get a note from somebody or somebody comes up to you and puts their arm on your shoulder and says, you know, I really appreciate you for such and such. You know what a blessing that is, right? Let's be people who do that for other people. And let's, let's, let's choose thankfulness to God. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. We sang those words. They're still true, right? The scripture says God is good and he does good. Let's be thankful because wise people are thankful people. I'm going to pray and uh, the team's going to come on back up while I'm doing that and we are going to sing our way out of here but I want to encourage you there's going to be folks waiting under the uh, monitors up here under the screens if you'd like somebody to come and pray with you come on up and pray with them maybe you need to spend a little time just being thankful and you want to welcome them into that and of course you don't have to talk to anybody you can come sit on the front pew spend a moment talking to the Lord it's, it's a great opportunity so feel free to do that uh, as we're singing and uh, as we close, but first I want to pray. Lord, I am, I am grateful today for who you are, the incredible, uh, awesome God of the universe who made everything, who chose to save me and chose to save so many others who are sitting here this morning or listening to my voice and watching Lord, we, we confess our ingratitude, our tendency not to focus on who you are and what you've done, because we acknowledge that even in the midst of difficult times, you are good and you do good. So Lord, we offer ourselves to you again. We surrender ourselves to your spirit. We pray that as we leave this place, having been here in your courts and in your uh, coming into your gates with thanksgiving and praise. We want to leave that way as well. So, Father, we're thankful for who you are and by all means what you have done in the person of Christ. Lord, I, I pray for the one that might be here listening to me this morning that has never trusted in Jesus. Lord, would they, would they be willing to repent of their sin and believe in the gospel and receive Christ. Lord, thank you for the freedom that's ours to offer our thanks to you in the name of Jesus. Amen.